This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word and go with me to the New Testament, to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. We visited there this morning, and we noted the jailer who went through quite a crisis. In fact, uh, he came to the point where his life was about to be ended because in his mind, in his thoughts, the uh, prisoners were all about to escape, and he would be held accountable for that. And that would cost him his life. So uh, he decided in a moment to end his own life. And before he could do so, Paul uh, reached out to him and, and uh, stopped him, halted him in that process to tell him that we're all here. Do not harm yourself. And God had been working in this man's life. And at the point of his crisis, God revealed to him the greatest crisis he faced. That was not what was happening to him in his temporal earthly life, but it was the destiny that awaited him beyond this life. And God dealt with him about his sin and about his soul. And he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? That's the most important question you could ever ask. And as we come back to Acts chapter number 16 this evening, I want us to look at how God used his people to reach a city, and to see souls saved. And how God did it in a way that they did not expect for it to happen. And so as we look at this and as we think about the days in which we live, uh, we are going to see that God has a purpose and plan and that God will use us if we'll be sensitive to him. I want you to look with me in Acts chapter number 16 and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number six, Acts chapter number 16 and verse number six, the Bible says, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after that they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 9, Come over into Macedonia and help us. I want to speak to you on this subject this evening. Come over and help us. Come over and help us. As we looked last Sunday at Psalm 46, we saw that the Lord is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. And we know that we're living in an, in a, an age of trouble in our nation and in our world. We know that the virus that has made its way into our country and 
uh, has impacted many lives and has brought many deaths. We understand that we're living in a time of fear, we're living in a time of anxiety, and we're living in a time of trouble. And in that time of trouble, people are looking for help. And there's one place they can find it. They can find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we read this morning, the Philippian jailer, uh, he found hope in Jesus. The apostle Paul told him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. As we looked at Romans 10, 9 and 10 and also verse 13, we see how Paul explained to us what it means to believe. And he said in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad that there was a day when I, as a seven-year-old boy, recognized that I was a sinner and that Jesus, the Son of God, died for me. And I saw the fact that I was in trouble because of my sin. If I died in my sin, I would end up in a place called hell. And I didn't want to go there. And I knew that Jesus was the Son of God, and he loved me, and he died for me. And I remember that day I called upon him, and he saved me. And since then, it's been my desire to tell others how they too can experience the salvation that I have experienced, how they too can receive eternal life. And that is the call that God has placed upon all of those who know him. As a Christian, this is our mission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so Paul says in Romans 10 verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then he goes on to say in verse 14, how, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? You see, there was an entire city called Philippi. Paul wasn't planning to go there. He was planning to go to Asia. And then when redirected, he thought, well, maybe we should go to Bithynia. But the Lord intended for him to go to Philippi. Why? Because there were people there who did not know the Lord. They were in crisis. They perhaps did not know that they were in crisis, but they were in great crisis and they needed a savior and God desired to save them. And so God sent his messenger, the apostle Paul to Philippi so that they could hear the gospel. You see, they cannot call on him in whom they have not believed. That's what Paul tells us. And they can't believe if they haven't heard and they cannot hear unless they have a preacher. I believe that one of the great things God is doing right now in our country and in his church is to unleash the message of the gospel. It is being published across the internet and social media. I, I scrolled through today my Facebook page and I saw uh, live stream service after live stream service and those, those sermons are up. They're gonna be available to people in the future. People are sharing them, people are making comments and we're seeing people hearing the message of the gospel that have not heard it as much perhaps or maybe for the first time they're hearing it. I've received text messages in recent days uh, telling me that there are people who are uh, related to folks uh, in other places, but they're in our church and then they shared uh, the messages with people that they're related to and people they're concerned about and they're hearing the message of the gospel and we praise the Lord for that. God is working in our nation 
God has a purpose and plan through all of this. And the Lord Jesus desires that his name be proclaimed and that his name be exalted. And so Paul receives this vision. Uh, he sees a, a vision, a Macedonian man, a Macedonia, a man of Macedonia who says to him, come over into Macedonia and help us. We need help. And so the Apostle Paul, after uh, finding a, a bit frustrating for him to get where he desired to go, sees now that God is definitely at work to direct him uh, to Macedonia and specifically to Philippi. I want us to note some things here as we think about how God wants to use this interruption and this trial and this crisis in our nation and in our lives, how God wants to use it in our lives to enable us to see what he wants done in this world and to hear the cry of people who are saying to us tonight, come over and help us. I hope you'll write some things down. Number one, the Lord reserves the right to change the course of our lives. The Lord reserves the right to change the course of our lives. The Bible says in verse six, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, the Holy Ghost of God forbade them to go into Asia. Why? Because he had another plan and they had to learn to trust his plan. It certainly wasn't a bad idea that they had to go into Asia. It just wasn't the Lord's will and it just wasn't the Lord's timing. And oftentimes there are things that we have in our heart and our mind that we'd like to see God do. And there's nothing wrong with having those thoughts. But friend, God has the right to change our course. God has the right to redirect our paths. Notice in verse 7, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go. The word essayed means they endeavored, they planned, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit, again, suffered them not. The Lord prevented them from getting where they wanted to be. You know, sometimes in our delays and sometimes in our, in our unexpected twists and turns of life, we can become frustrated. Uh, we, we can think, I want to make progress for God. I want to see God doing things in my life and in my family. But we need to understand that God's delays are for our good. And God's delays are designed to get us to the place that God wants us to get to. And here we find that the Lord then after he had prevented them from going to places that they desired to go, God then opens to them a passage into a new place, a place they had not before thought of going to. And so we see some things here. We see the interruptions may come. We see that changes may come. And I know change does not come easy for us. Uh, we see that difficulties will surely follow. Our comfort will be disrupted and fear and uncertainty may creep in. But it is in these moments that we must learn to trust the Lord. You see, the Lord reserves the right to change the course of our lives. The word Lord speaks of his sovereignty. It speaks of the fact that he is our master. And if we're serving him, we must understand that we're here to serve him. We're not here to tell him what we want to do. We're here to say to him, Lord, here am I, send me. And he reserves the right to send us where he wishes 
to send us. I think about our church as we have experienced growth and we praise the Lord for that. Our Sunday morning attendance uh, has been tremendous and, and we run, we've nearly run out of room uh, in the Sunday morning hour. And here we are thinking and contemplating and praying about adding a second morning service. And uh, I could see uh, on the faces of, of many that there was concern about, well, how is this going to work and how is this going to impact us and how will that impact the choir and will I see everybody I'm used to seeing and, and, and I could see the discomfort and the unease in the faces of God's people. And by the way, all of those things are things that I, I too experienced and I too have gone through and thinking through that process. And we just really are a little bit afraid of the discomfort that that may cause us. But what we did not recognize is that coronavirus was coming and that the governor would tell us we didn't need to meet in groups of more than 100. Since then, that, that has changed significantly too, and now we're not able to meet. But having received that recommendation, we decided to go ahead and add a second morning service. You see, we were compelled to do some things that we thought we needed to do anyway. We were a little bit uncomfortable. We were a little bit hesitant about doing it. But when we went forward and did it, we enjoyed it, and God blessed it. You see, the Lord through this will open up new opportunities for us. And so we, we will trust him. And so we see, number one, the Lord reserves the right to change the course of our lives. Number two, there are people who need our help. There are people who need our help. Verse number nine, a vision appeared into Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. People are looking for answers and people need help. They, might, they may not at this moment recognize it. They may not at this moment be looking to the Lord or to the Lord's people for it. But as the days unfold and as opportunities come before us, we will have an opportunity to be a help. We will, be, we will have the opportunity to tell people how the greatest need of their life can be met in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why do they need help? Well, first of all, they are deceived. I think about in this passage that we read this morning, we met a, a lady named Lydia. The Bible says she was a seller of purple. She was gathered with others to pray. She was a devout woman. She was a religious woman. She feared God, but she did not know the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. She had not heard the message of the gospel. And so having heard it, she believed it and was saved. But before that opportunity came, uh, she was deceived. Believing to herself to be religious, she was lost without the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible speaks in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that if our gospel be hid, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You see, Lydia had the gospel hidden to her, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And I'm so glad that the Apostle Paul followed the directive and uh, went into Philippi to preach the gospel because there was a lady there named Lydia, a good woman, a respected woman, but nevertheless a lost woman who needed to be saved. And when she heard the message of the gospel, the glorious light of the gospel shined in her heart and she received the Lord Jesus 
Christ. You see, people need our help because they're deceived. They also need our help because they're distressed. There was a young girl, the Bible tells us in verse 16, who would follow the Apostle Paul daily. And she was a girl possessed of a devil. She was a girl who was in bondage and in slavery to uh, men. They were her master and they profited off of her. You see, with this demonic spirit, uh, she had the ability to tell people or at least to convince them that she was able to tell their fortune. And so her masters would charge people to come in and see this demon-possessed girl. And through this demon, she would begin to tell them uh, of their fortune, to speak about their future. And so here's a girl who was distressed she was in bondage to Satan, and she was in bondage to others. And so people need our help because they're deceived and because they're distressed and because they are dying. As I mentioned earlier, the jailer was about to take his own life. He was about to end it all because all hope was over when those prisoners left the prison that night. The Bible tells us that all who do not know the Lord are dead. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, though the jailer had physical life, he didn't have spiritual life. Though Lydia had physical life, she didn't have spiritual life. Though this girl had some ability inspired by a demon to tell people their future, she was a dead girl, though she had physical life. You see, the Lord wants to send you and I to people people in this nation who do not have the hope of Jesus Christ, who do not have spiritual life. The Lord desires for us to help them. And so number one, we see the Lord reserves the right to change the course of our lives. Number two, there are people who need our help and may God help us to be sensitive to the cries of those people. Then number three, there are new opportunities of service for us to discover. There are new opportunities of service for us to discover. I believe that once we go through this time, and I know that God will lead us through it, I believe that we will come out of this experience seeing new ways and new opportunities with a deeper faith and a deeper love for God, and we'll see people who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through this time in our nation. In verse number 10, the Bible says, after he, speaking of Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And so they came, they came to Philippi. In verse number 13, and on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. That she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there, 
and she constrained us. You see, there were new avenues of ministry. There were new methods. There were new converts, and there were new laborers. Uh, Lydia opened her home to the apostle, and her home became uh, the first headquarters of the church at Philippi. And so we see that God is teaching us as a church new ways, new methods. Uh, he's, he's causing us to do things that we would not normally do or perhaps would have never done had we not experienced what we've been experiencing in recent days. And God will work in your life to help you discover new priorities and, and, and to refine how you spend your time and what is important in your life. God will use this and provide for you and I new opportunities to serve him. He will show us in a greater way the needs of our community and of our world and how desperately people need God. And so, number three, there are new opportunities of service for us to discover. Number four, there, uh, there will be much opposition for us to encounter. There will be much opposition for us to encounter. I want to tell you that nothing that you and I are ever going to attempt to do for God, nothing that the church will ever attempt to do for God will be, uh, will be uh, done without opposition. We will always face it, and we face it now. Now, notice this opposition. It came to them in three forms. Number one, Satan withstood them. Remember the demoniac girl? She, she was the girl possessed with the spirit of divination. The Bible says... In verse 17, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now here's this young woman who most of the people in the city knew. They knew that she was a, a woman who who was not in tune with God in any way. She was a woman who was possessed of a devil. And here she is following the apostle Paul. And she is attaching herself to him. And Paul is grieved because he does not want to send a mixed signal to people. He does not want to associate or be associated with this spirit of divination that is indwelling this girl. He does not want to be associated with the works of darkness. And so he is grieved. He is grieved because he doesn't want that association. He is grieved for this young lady and how that she is being used of Satan and of her masters. And so here we find that Satan is seeking to minimize Paul's impact. He is seeking to associate himself uh, with the apostle Paul. And he is withstanding the work of the gospel. And here's what we know. We, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. No, our enemy, our adversary, the devil, and his powers and principalities are working against us. And so we understand we're in a spiritual battle. And there will be much opposition. Not only did Satan uh, withstand them, but also we see that men withstood them. Notice verse 19. And when her masters, that is the, the, the slave owners of this young woman, when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone. You see, when that demonic spirit left, when that demonic spirit was cast out, that girl was a different girl. She didn't have an evil spirit of divination. Uh, that was all gone, and they knew it, and the hopes of their gain were gone. And when they saw that, uh, the Bible says, 
that they drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. Verse number 20, and brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. I think about Daniel when Daniel uh, was elevated into position of authority. And those Chaldeans, they, they didn't like it. And uh, they, they didn't like the fact that he loved God and served God. And they were trying to find a way to accuse him before the king. And so they deceived the king into passing uh, a legislation that said uh, a man couldn't pray. And they knew that Daniel was going to pray. And by the way, he kept praying and kept praying. And uh, though he was going to be thrown into the lion's den, he continued to pray. He was a man of devotion. And what we need to understand is that there will be people who will withstand the work of God. They will withstand us. They'll be tools of Satan. And then we see that the authorities withstood them. Finally, the Bible says in verse 22, the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. So now the government officials are behind this. And when they laid many stripes on them, they beat them with a scourge. They whipped them. When they laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So here's what we can know. We're going to face opposition. But the Lord tells us in his word in 1 John 4 and verse 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And may God help us in this hour to look to him and to continue to serve him in the face of opposition, in the face of discouragement. May God help us to have faith in him. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who's the object of our faith? It's Jesus. It's looking unto Jesus. And may God help us to continue to look to him and to trust him in these moments. The Bible says in verse 5, For who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that today? Then let's trust him. Let's look to him. You see, we find number four, there will be much opposition for us to encounter. Then number five, we're going to see this, that the Lord deserves our praise. In the midst of this conflict, in the midst of this trouble, in the midst of this uh, coronavirus pandemic, in the midst of the difficulties that you and I face, the Lord deserves our praise. Notice what the Bible says at verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. You see, not only was God interested in Lydia and this demoniac girl and the jailer, he was interested in the prisoners. And the prisoners, well, they heard about Paul, no doubt. And now they had a chance to meet him firsthand. And what kind of condition did they find him in? He had been beaten, falsely accused, unjustly convicted, with stripes, scourged, and so perhaps they thought, well, we're going to see what he's made of. And what did he do? He sang praises unto God. You know, the world is watching us. They're watching how we react. And they're watching how we respond. And may God help us to learn to rejoice in him. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 in verse number 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus said when you're persecuted, there's something I want you to do. I want you to rejoice and be exceeding glad. Why? Because your reward is great in heaven. Friend, if we suffer in this life for Jesus, if we'll take a stand for him, here's what we can know. We have a reward in heaven and it's a great reward. It's a great reward. In Acts chapter five, uh, the apostles were commanded to not preach the gospel. They were told no more preaching the gospel in the name of Jesus. In verse number 40, the Bible says, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Verse 41, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing, not grumbling, not complaining, not wondering what was going to happen next, not discouraged, not ready to quit. They departed from the council rejoicing. May God help us. Listen, we're not facing what they faced. So may God help us to keep rejoicing in him. We have a hope that's steadfast and sure. We're on our way to heaven. We have a God who has promised to supply all of our needs. You say, well, we may not have everything we need. And what are we going to do, Pastor? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to trust God and we're going to believe in him. And we're going to see God do great things in our lives. And we're going to see God do great things through us and show people how they can be saved. What a glorious thing God desires to do. And so may God help us. They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Oh, and I like verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, people are gathered in their homes. They're watching this now. Daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. What is it the world needs to hear? They need to hear the preaching of the word of God. And may God help us be faithful. The Lord deserves our praise. Then let, let's look at the next thing. We see that there will be a price for us to pay. There will be a price for us to pay. Notice in verse number 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison door open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Now I want you to think about how you and I would feel. How, what would be our mindset? Here we are having gone into Philippi, preached the gospel to a, a lady who was deceived named Lydia. We helped her come to know the Lord. She trusted in Christ and her household. She welcomed us into her home. That became the place, the meeting place of the church. Then we saw a demoniac girl who was enslaved to the devil and enslaved to wicked men get delivered. And then we suffered unjustly and wrongly because of it. And now here we are in prison and we're singing praises to God. In the midst of our praises, God interrupts the whole thing. A great earthquake comes. 
God has intervened on our behalf. The foundations of the prison are shaken. The doors of the prison come open. There's nothing holding us in. The bands that hold us in place are now loosed. We're free to leave the prison. That's what we've been waiting on, right? But notice what Paul did. When he sees the keeper of the prison about to kill himself, about to end his life. What does Paul say to him in verse 28? But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Let me tell you, friend, Paul recognized that there was a price to pay. Now, it may have required the loss of his liberty. It may have required the loss of his liberty. You see, he was free to go. The chains, were, the chains had fallen off. The doors were open. He could go. But what kept him there? I'm going to tell you what kept him there. It was concern for that lost jailer who needed to be saved. And Paul, in those moments, was willing to uh, pay, though it might cost him his liberty. I want you to fast forward just a few verses into verse number 35. And this is after the conversion of the jailer. And uh, the jailer took Paul and Silas home and he dressed their wounds and he fed them. And the Bible tells us in verse 35, and when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant saying, let those men go. They recognized they'd made an error. They had been too hasty in their judgment. And so they were concerned. They said, just, just let them go. And the keeper of the prison, verse 36, told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly uncondemned being Romans and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. Here we find that Paul is saying, I'm a Roman citizen. I have rights, and these men have violated my rights. Now, we don't, find Paul, we don't find Paul using that earlier, do we? We don't find him appealing to his liberties early. No, we find Paul willing to suffer for the sake of Christ and the sake of the gospel and willing, willing to risk further incarceration, willing not to flee when he had the freedom to do so, so that this man may come to know the Lord. You see, there is a price to pay if we're going to do God's work. And we must submit our lives to him and allow him to be in control. It may require the loss of liberty. It may require the loss of life. Paul didn't realize, he didn't know what could happen. Perhaps he would be sentenced to death. Perhaps he would be stoned uh, by this mob. He did not know what would happen, but he was concerned over the soul of this man. May God help us as his people to be willing to give up ourselves unto him, unto the Lord Jesus, so that he might use us in his work and in his glory. I want you to see a last thing, and that is that there will be many people who come to Christ. There'll be many people who come to Christ. Notice verse 29, 
The jailer comes in. He springs into the place where Paul is kept. He comes in trembling in verse 29 and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. I think about Paul as he's there. His wounds have been dressed. The healing ointment has been placed upon his back and upon Silas. They're achy, they're hurting, but they're rejoicing because the jailer sits with his family, his wife, his children, maybe his in-laws, maybe his parents. They're gathered there together and they got a smile on their face. They're rejoicing in what God has done. They're praising him for his goodness. I want to tell you, before Paul left town that day, the Bible says in verse 40, they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. What began in this chapter as an interruption, as maybe a source of frustration, as perhaps a source of fear, ended with rejoicing and the furtherance of the gospel and a new church and new believers who are part of the family of God. I want to tell you, friend, that God wants to use you. God wants to use our church, and he's taking us through this storm. He's taking us through this trial, and he's going to use us. He's going to prune us. He's going to purify us. He's going to perform his will in us. And we'll see souls come to him. We'll see people saved. Our fellowship will be sweeter. Our love will be stronger. Our bond will be closer. And the gospel will go further. And so may we praise the Lord. May we thank God. May we be sensitive to the cry. Come over and help us. You say, Pastor, what can I do right now? Well, number one, you can trust God. You can remain faithful. You can spend time in his word. You can pray for your neighbors. You can encourage your brothers and sisters. You can share through your social media and online activity the message of the gospel. And as the Lord gives you opportunity in the days ahead to meet people and to speak to people, you can take gospel literature and you can tell them what the Lord has done for you. You see, may the Lord help us in this moment to get a vision. The vision that he has. The vision of the people in Hickory, throughout our state, throughout our nation, and throughout the world. Who don't have the hope that we have in Christ. And they're crying out tonight. Come over and help us. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. 
If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.